I was pointing out last time that the Christian life is simply a process of having your natural self changed into a Christ self. Welcome back to the Inklings Variety Hour, where a handful of Inklings enthusiasts discuss the works of C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien, Charles Williams, and other writers associated with them. I'm Chris Pipkin, Assistant Professor of English at Emanuel College in Franklin Springs, um, in Georgia. And... Um, <laughs> And I just love that clarity. <laughs> as opposed to, you know, Franklin Springs, uh, Missouri, yeah, yeah, China. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. Um, and, uh, and, and you are, um, other who, who are you pointing people? to? I, I'm pointing to whoever is, uh, is oh man we've got another polished podcast you know you know we play this game every time right (laughs) yeah yeah um who's gonna go if i say and who are you megan right okay then Then we have direction i mean i i guess i guess yeah you can it it sounds it sounds like i'm asking something to which i already know the answer (laughs) well i'll answer your question that you already answered chris great i am megan logston uh, and uh, aspiring, aspiring therapist now because I got into Gordon Conwell's uh, program for Masters in Christian Counseling, which I'm super excited about. Uh, and also um, now uh, a postulant to the diaconate in the Anglican Church of North America because my application got approved by the bishop. So all right, double congratulations. Yay! So many parties. So many parties. And and <laughs> and you have some news, Annika, don't you? I yes. I mean it's it's not it's a thing, but it shouldn't anyway. I passed oh, the bar. Oh. Yay. Yay. Congratulations. <laughs> Yay. <sighs> well, my friend gave birth to a healthy baby girl. So I, I came down to visit this weekend um this might be controversial depending on your covid stance but i have a household back in dc i live alone in new jersey now um so i still count them as my household for exposure purposes and yeah um and it's been just lovely holding a newborn it's Mm. the Mm. best therapy in the world Mm. um they smell so good (laughs) They're so quiet and just sweet and snuggly because they can't even, they can't do anything. Can't lift up their heads, can't move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say, Annika, I remember when you held my uh, uh, my now seven-year-old uh, when he was a brand Aww. new baby. Um, and you talked about the smell of his head. Um, <laughs> I have a thing about smelling newborns' heads. Um, it's not a bad thing, I promise. It's, it's, it's one of the best scents, and you can't find it any like you know. You, you look into essential oils. And, uh, look for the notes newborn, of newborn, newborn babies. Head. Head. Yeah. yeah, someone Oxytocin needs to bottle that. Inducing 
Yeah. I feel like that's something Tom Ford should have done if he hasn't already. I'm sure like newborn baby head is a scent somewhere in a Parisian lab. Yeah. 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 Right on. It's not creepy at all. Uh, <laughs> all right. Megan, how about you? What have you been up to this week? Um, not, not too much outside of, uh, having an orientation call, uh, with Gordon Conwell and, um, work (laughs) and, uh, you know, just generally being mentally exhausted because of, you know, everything, you know, COVID and, and whatnot, but, uh, but Christmas is coming. So hopefully it'll be, it'll be good, but Mm -hmm. It's it's we're once again in Advent, but it's it's the Adventist Advent <laughs> we've we've ever had. Does it not feel like it's always winter and never Christmas? Yes, I was thinking yes. about that actually. Yeah, I, sometimes I don't I don't think Christmas is actually coming <laughs> this yeah. year, right? But it will come. So yeah, yeah. The witch mm-hmm. can only hold Aslan off for so long, mm-hmm. um, which yeah is an interesting. Um, Christus Victor theological thingy. Um, uh, yeah. Um, over here, things are pretty good, chaotic as usual, um, but all d- less chaotic than usual, actually, because mm-hmm. I'm all done with grading and, you know, teaching uh, for the semester. So, Yay. break, getting to finally, um, you know, uh, do all of the child watching that I've been promising I would do (laughs) while, you know, finishing up all the grading. Um, Hence the uh, mandatory hide and seek games that uh, we've been receiving text messages about. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Those are are brutal. Uh, So who won? Did you win? Oh, I always win. uh, And if I don't, then I cheat. Um, Yeah, um, they're, they're, they're fun. They, they, um, you know, Virginia, our our second is finally getting to the point where she kind of understands how hide and seek works. And of course, our our two year old does not understand how hide and seek works. She just loves, you know, here uh, I am. Yeah, Yeah. she doesn't, she doesn't really hide. She just kind of like betrays everyone else. um, You know, and and so that's the best. Be the spoiler. If you can't win, be the spoiler. That is, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, immediately everyone knows exactly where everyone is and the kids get really mad about it uh, <laughs> uh, or at least at least Virginia does our, our four-year-old um, we're also putting the um, we're also working on our or, or mainly me at, at this point because Glencora still has lots of work like real work to do um, I've been working on the 12 tide site yes and then listeners it's the numbers one two and then t-i-d-e um uh dot com i think um but it's uh it's it's meant to advance celebrating christmas as a 12-day season as as opposed to like a a one-day binge um and uh it's it's uh i also i love that it's also a resistance movement against secular lent I, I think oh, as you yeah. have rightly talked about um, New Year's and mm-hmm. the instinct going from Christmas to, well, now we have to shape up and change our lives right. and mm-hmm. forsake all happy things. It's like, no, actually, it's 
it's it still feels, Christmas. And it, it feels like such subversive joy mm-hmm. to be partying into January 6th. Like, yeah. 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 Love yeah. that. Yeah. So for, for listeners, um, it's, it's basically uh, in the, in the Anglican church as well as the Catholic and I think the Orthodox church. Um, there's uh, you know, Advent is the time when it, it's kind of like a slightly lighter version of Lent. Um, and, uh, um, and then Christmas actually starts. Uh, we usually start it in the evening of the 24th. Um, and then we have 12 days of Christmas where we give only one gift um, per day to people in our family um, and uh, and do a little activity or, or something like that. And then just kind of keep the celebration going until Epiphany. Um, and it's it's always really it's it's always been really great for us. Um, and the kids don't get bombarded with you know, thousands of gifts in one day that they don't even appreciate. Um, and we don't worry about have we bought enough stuff for everybody like mm-hmm. the, the night before. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's also lots of great reflection and stuff like that going on in there. Um, but um, yeah. Um, well, um, let's, let's go ahead and dive in. Um, this week, our format's a little bit different because rather than discuss a single work by the Inklings, we're going to discuss how J.R.R. Tolkien's On Fairy Stories, um, which we talked about uh, last time applies to C.S. Lewis's The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, which was the first work we covered on this podcast. Um, we already talked um, about how Tolkien did not approve of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I- I'm not entirely sure if he ever read it, but um, maybe the <laughs> listeners will know. Um, but he read, he read the first part. He at least read the first part. It was like, this won't do. This, um, this is a question that we keep asking. Did Tolkien yeah. ever read anything that yeah. his friends wrote? Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think he would have liked it if he'd read the whole thing. So, you know, you have to be wise about your time. Um, but, That's true. Um, yeah. Fair. Uh, fair. That's fair. <laughs> but, um, but, but perhaps his essay on fairy stories uh, can help illuminate why. Um, so... My first question is prob- probably the hardest <laughs> because we have, to, we have to remember what we read a few months ago. Um, but um, uh, what, according to Tolkien's essay, is a fairy story anyway? Oh, well, a fairy story, at least according to Tolkien, most good fairy stories are about the adventures of men in the perilous realm or upon its shadowy marches. Um, so less about actual fairies and more about um, uh, those of us who are of, of humankind making it into that realm and uh, the working of that realm upon us for good or evil. I, so yes, which as we talk about like the entering the perilous realm, I, I think I immediately think of Lucy entering the Narnian woods, which we can go back to the, the application in a second. Um, it's also, uh, he talks about fantasy recovery, escape and consolation mm-hmm. um, that these are also on offer to us in fairy stories. And I, I think that's where especially I would make the argument that uh we we do get that with Narnia very much so, and 
because of that, despite um, Tolkien's, I think, stricter uh, sort of standard, <laughs> I, I think it does count. But I, I might be jumping ahead a little bit. Chris, you want to pull me pull me back? Yeah, I I had trouble when I was thinking about the answer to this. I was planning on just like mm-hmm. tossing it to you guys and letting you answer it because it's, <laughs> it's hard to come up with like one a one sentence definition. Oh, of oh, it is. well, what is and because he because he spends essay. the whole mm-hmm. essay, you know, mm-hmm. doing that, and you know, he'll like even even in the sentence that I read, he even says most good fairy stories are about right. this. So he's leaving room for exceptions anyway which is kind of interesting because he seems so rigid in in certain places, but then in other places he seems pretty a little bit more flexible. So yeah, less curmudgeonly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, he, so he is talking throughout about awakening desire um, Mm -hmm. and, and childlike he, he, he seems to be appealing to there's this thing that we know as children um, and that we desire like the innocent love justice while uh, the wicked prefer mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he, he talks about, you know, desiring dragons with what, what does he call it? Some sort of like uh, intense desire or fiery desire. Um, but this, I think if anything, He's giving us, it's almost like reading uh, The Weight of Glory, where you are, the the writing itself is casting a spell, right? And stirring up the desire or the, the zengzikt, the, the longing within you. And I think that longing, um, he, he mentions it here. And I think that is so... Uh, what all of Lewis's work is shot through with that I, I think it totally counts um, again, but we haven't gotten to the argument yet. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we know what side you'll be on. Uh, <laughs> already. I always want to open with my, you know, open with my right hook, but yeah. 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 No, that, that is, that is fine. Cause I, I, I'm not, um, I'm not dead set against that answer either, but I think it, it, it'll be interesting to to talk about. Um, can can we talk about like what he says a fairy story is not? Because that might mm. help us mm. a little bit like define. Um, so for example, do they always have fairies in them? No, no. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I, and I think, I think part of, part of what he says is, is it's because they deal with a kind of um, other world um experience right um that that, that things are um our reality is kind of transmuted or, or transformed um in in fairy stories um mm-hmm. and because fairy originally is a realm right mm-hmm. it's another um it's another world and so these are stories about people kind of encountering another world or maybe through them the reader encounters another world or um yeah it's 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 not necessarily that there are um little people running around or big people running around who are you know fairy or elf or or whatever um um uh anything else that they're not well he he um 
he talks about like uh wind in the willows right like like mm-hmm. the beast story yes. they're not he he makes that distinction that's not a fairy story um which i mean that's what a lot like puss in boots he mentions and and a lot of the other um story is actually collected in a book of fairy tales um he he really wants to distinguish that and make that clear that those those do not count mm-hmm. i think at some point he also mentions alice in wonderland mm-hmm. being a dream yes. story and not a fairy story mm-hmm. because well she, she dreams it all so she never actually entered fairy at least you know as far as we understand it but um mm-hmm. Yeah, so stories like that don't don't count. Uh, Traveler's tales. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he doesn't like um, the idea that um, yeah, like like Gulliver's Travels, mm-hmm. um, you know, should should not be considered a fairy story because even though it has little people and kind of deals with another world, it's purely satirical, right? Mm-hmm. Um, We're not ever supposed to believe in the Lilliputians or Cushions. Right. I never know how right. to say that. Um, yeah. Whereas we're very much supposed to believe that this is true um, mm-hmm. in a fairy tale. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know that we arrived at a more concise definition of what a fairy story <laughs> is, but nevertheless, uh, let's, let's go ahead and, and just talk about um, uh, whether, you know, our, kind of our, our main question, right? Um, has Lewis in the line, the, the witch in the wardrobe written um, a fairy story um, as, as Tolkien defines it. Yes. Uh, I will say yes, because it is, I think very much uh, a perilous realm. Um, I think we are, as a child, I believed in it. So it awakened that desire in me. I believed in it. And the way Tolkien talks about um uh, desiring the land of Merlin and Arthur um, or the north of Sigurd of the Volsungs and the prince of all dragons. Uh, and he says, I desired dragons with a profound desire. Um, and that sort of keen piercing desire for Narnia that I think all children have if they've mm-hmm. read it. Uh, because when you read it, you do experience the recovery, escape, consolation I think um, very much. And because it acts upon us as a fairy story and not as, it's not a dreamscape. It's not, this is wild and fantastical. And there might be satirical elements um, in the later Narnia uh, stories, especially about government and boys schools and uh, books that no one should be reading and books everyone should be reading. Like it's, it's still very real. And I, yeah, I think it stands up as a true Tolkienian fairy story. Yeah, there's a real sense of wonder um, that, that, and of course, that's like really subjective, right? Like, I, yeah. I feel wonder, but maybe, you know, I, as far as I can tell, my seven-year-old does not when he, when he reads, when he reads, uh, you know, oh. Narnia um, at, at this point. I mean, give he, him time. Give him he time. Red just give um, oh, Redwall's oh, good though. Yeah, I do like Redwall. Um, uh, but um, but but yeah, but but to me anyway, I always feel a sharp sense of wonder when I read certain you know passages in um, 
the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Narnia in mm -hmm. general, but specifically also the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Yeah, there, there, and there is a, um, there is definitely, like you're saying, Annika, you catastrophe uh, that that happens, or at least almost definitely. I'm still, uh, I still, I still want to um, sound you all out about, um, you know, how exactly, you know, is 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 it true, you catastrophe or not? Uh, yeah. What what would uh, Megan? What do you think? Do you do you mostly agree with Annika? Mostly disagree? Um, yeah. I, I no, I would agree on a personal level with Annika. Yes. I'm I'm just sitting here trying to think about why Tolkien himself. Since it seems so obvious to us that it is a fairy story, why Tolkien would would just reject it outright? And and I know, the, the, I guess the obvious answer is well, he you know he hates allegory, you know, and Narnia is an allegory. But but I I don't think Lewis himself actually referred to it as an allegory, or he he kind of fought against that a little bit because for him mm -hmm. it was more of a it was more of a supposal, and it was. It's, you know, say Christ goes to another world, you know, and has to redeem that world, what would that look like? And so maybe that's where Tolkien gets hung up in that Lewis is, it seems maybe to him that Lewis is trying to write something that is that, that he think I don't know I want to say that he thinks is actually happening but that's one of Tolkien's qualifiers for <laughs> writing a good fairy story again so it's like you just keep coming up against all of these reasons for why why didn't you like Narnia Tolkien <laughs> <laughs> um you know but so that's yeah no I would agree that it that it is a fairy story in the end even by Tolkien's own standards but I I guess I get hung up on why Tolkien didn't care for it um and maybe it's maybe it goes back to <sighs> Tolkien not liking that Lewis dipped his toes into the realm of theology when he <laughs> felt that you know only theologians should do that um I don't know I really don't know but maybe we'll never know until one day we can ask Tolkien why why do you hate Narnia so much <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in heaven he's healed. Maybe, and maybe his heart is open maybe. to Aslan. <laughs> I mean, especially if Aslan is voiced by Liam Neeson. I mean, oh, don't even. Don't oh, I'm can't. sure. I'm sure Tolkien would love that. Love that. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Bringing it back. Bringing it back. But yes, yeah. no. The short answer is yes. I agree that it is a fairy story because it has all the marks. Um. But I think, I, I think probably the hangup for Tolkien is that the you, the supposed you catastrophe at the end with Aslan, isn't so much an indirect pointing to Christ. It it's he think he probably thinks that it's Lewis. It's like this is Christ for Lewis, you know, just Christ in a different form, rather than an indirect kind of pointing to Christ. Maybe it's too on the nose for Tolkien. <laughs> Yeah, yeah can, I think that's right. Oh, can we find the um, the the part where Tolkien discusses you catastrophe? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, seventy seven. Um, yeah, seventy six. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's see. So he he's coined this um, he's coined this term you catastrophe, which just means a good catastrophe um, in this essay, and and he says that the sudden turn toward a happy ending points indirectly toward the gospel and the resurrection of Christ. Mm -hmm. um, so he says, um, to, 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 let's 
It is a sudden and miraculous grace, never to be counted on to recur. It does not deny the existence of discatastrophe, of sorrow and failure. The possibility of these is necessary to the joy of deliverance. It denies, in the face of much evidence, if you will, universal final defeat, and insofar is Evangelium giving a fleeting glimpse of joy, joy beyond the walls of the world, poignant as grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and the, the sort of... Um, the... And, the, and that's in the epilogue, right? And that comes right after. Mm, actually, that's, no, it's that's right before the epilogue. The oh, yeah. sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So, in illustration, right? He he brings up mm-hmm. the Black Bull of Norway, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then this is the very end before the epilogue, right? Far more powerful and poignant is the effect in a serious tale of fairy. In such stories, when the sudden turn comes, we get a piercing glimpse of joy and heart's mm-hmm. desire that for a moment passes outside the frame, rends indeed the very web of story and lets a gleam come through. And then he quotes from the Black Bull of Norway, um, this kind of lovely Scottish fairy tale. Um, Seven long years I served for thee, the glassy hill I clam for thee, the bloody shirt I rang for thee, and wilt thou, thou, wilt thou not walk in and turn to me? Um, he heard and turned to her right so um so that it, you know it's it's a it's a love story this the black bull of norway is right and and it's not obviously in some ways like the black bull of norway is a little bit christ-like um and he even like fights the devil um which is which is interesting um but um uh, but it's it's a love story between um, this uh, this this bull who turns into a prince, and then the prince is enchanted, and the um, girl is trying to get his attention when he's in an enchanted sleep, and finally, you know, she does, and he turns to her, and, and he's saying that 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 moment of joy and fulfillment beyond all hope echoes the gospel right it's almost like uh, yeah it's it's pointing towards the kind of joy that you get with christ's resurrection that you get with the gospel of, of christ's resurrection and then making all things good again um, um and and i guess you know it could be argued that um um you know because the parallels between aslan dying and rising again and having you know women accompany him and weep over him um in his death right and then there are a few things that are changed like you know being a lion right um uh from from the uh, uh the christian um gospel but it's it's so um it's so similar in so many ways because lewis like like um, like you were saying, uh, Lewis is making a supposal, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Suppose that a world of talking beasts really existed. How would God manifest himself incarnationally in this world of talking beasts? Well, as a lion, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and would he do the same thing only for one person? Yes, he would, right? Um, and uh, yeah, do you, do you think there's any, um, any merit to that possibly not being a eucatastrophe in the same way that the happy ending of a fairy tale is a eucatastrophe. I think it feels 
it feels more certain than a eucatastrophe should be, right? Like it doesn't feel like right. this, this unlooked for, like this thing you never could have counted on because as a supposal, <laughs> um, that is who God is and his character, even taken in a story and I think Lewis does this again in um in Paralandra right like he he gives us um another world and show asks the question of what what if there was a resistance and there wasn't a fall but there were created beings who um had knowledge but did not um did not fail the test right Mm -hmm. Um, and would, one of the effects of his supposals was after Jesus, they would all have to be in his form and in his likeness as a man, like after he became a man, which is why in Paralandra, there are, um, humanoid forms, but out of the silent planet, which is a pre-earth world, um, does not have humanoid forms. Right. And I, I think in the same way here, like there isn't freedom for our imagination to think, oh, well, this good king who's the son of the emperor over the sea is not, uh, I mean, he, he has to come through um, because he is, he is a Christ. Um, and he has, I think he has to be, res- like the deeper magic has to exist and has to, he has to be resurrected because it's not conceivable anymore that death could defeat him. And that's where maybe the eucatastrophe fails as a fairy story, but works as a supposal. Yeah, definitely. Um yeah, I just I I really do think that that's Tolkien's hang up is that it's it's too much exactly like the story that like the it's basically the gospel but <laughs> in Narnian form. Um and and I was trying to think back about like how I reacted to it when I first ever read it as a, as a child. And like yes, I was I think when when we got to the death scene with Aslan, I was, you know, obviously shocked and and you know like oh no what's but but i think there was something deep inside me that said like this is this has to work out somehow because there has to be a good ending Mm -hmm. (laughs) to this um it's just something i instinctively knew i think um Mm -hmm. so i i I don't know that him getting resurrected was that much of like a a great shock and and i don't think at the time i directly connected aslan to jesus necessarily i i don't think until after um he got he did get resurrected and it kind and it kind of clicked for me even in uh you know back in third grade <laughs> i was like wait a yeah. minute this kind of sounds like <laughs> jesus <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so i yeah I, I i think that that is tolkien's hang up um i i think it still works as a fairy tale as a whole um but may, yeah maybe it's it's because it's not so much a it's not so much a type of Christ or it's like a, a type of the gospel. It's a, it's the actual gospel just in different skin, which is why mm-hmm. he, he disapproved of it so much, but 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, to each to each his own, I guess. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's none of that here. Teach the, teach the truth. Well, yeah, I can forgive Tolkien for not liking the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe um, because, um, you know, he wrote stuff that was better. Um. <laughs> oh, oh we, are we going to say better or are we going or to say different? Very different audiences, yeah. very different goals. Yeah. Yeah. Very different goals. Like it's not as rich or dense. I, yeah. I, right. I will give you that. Yeah. But I, I, I still like, I will defend Narnia to my dying breath. Oh, yes. it's, I love Narnia. Oh, it's great. <laughs> it's, yes. It's, yeah. Uh, but it's very much like Lewis is just throwing in so many random things, like yeah. without any thought to like, how, how does this cohere together? You know, whereas Tolkien probably yeah. drove Tolkien crazy, you know, like Mr. I'm going to figure out what type of plants grow in this region so that I represent it correctly. And, you know, right. yeah, but Tolkien still did retcon. Like it's, uh, that's that is true he did retcon yeah. like like the hobbit the ring and the hobbit is not the same right. ring we encounter like it's it's uh, i yeah i just yeah. don't buy it anyway yeah um I, tolkien yeah. did these you know tolkien was so slow and painstaking with mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. most of the things that he wrote and you know like we said last time um on fairy stories is kind of the fulcrum between the hobbit and mm-hmm. uh the lord of the rings um uh, whatever similarities the Narnia series has to The Hobbit, it has far fewer to The Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it seems like Tolkien is definitely, um, you know, by his own admission, sort of saying The Hobbit was not mm-hmm. a prime example of a fairy story um and 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 you know we're we're going to write a fairy story for adults it's just an accident that they happen to be intended for kids um you know and and i'm so i'm gonna write a a real tale that might have been true that commands secondary belief you know for Mm. adults um and um and it's going to have so much you know richness to it um and and none of this sort of winking that I do in The Hobbit, mm-hmm. right? And Lewis has all that, you know, he 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 winks like crazy at the you know at, <laughs> at the reader, right? Which I kind of like, but um, you know, yes, obviously, oh, it's delicious. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's great. Um, well, and like I, I don't, I I think Lewis really is the only one who could have pulled something like that off, just making all of these asides and like because she's just so, you know, for lack of a better word, jovial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with his uh, with his audience, and so it's it's just fun to see him play and just be playful in that in that way. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, thinking thinking about this question some more. I mean, I, I it obviously Lion, Lich, and Wardrobe has a catastrophe, so we have to talk about it, or or something like a catastrophe, right? So we we need to talk about whether it whether it fits or not, but. Um, the question doesn't really make a difference as to whether or not it's classed as a fairy story because there are like he he talks about Sigurd right as as an example of a fairy story which is 
definitely full of catastrophes, not as full of you catastrophes, right? As, as um, you know, and, and a lot of other things that he would call fairy stories because they come from um, folklore and they, and they, and they are part of myth, right? Do not mm-hmm. have this sudden joyous turn, right? And he's talking about a particular subspecies of, of uh, folktale that isn't doesn't just end tragically right um when he when he talks about the catastrophe and 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 the way that these folktales um point to christ um but um yeah but even if we decided that blind the witch in the wardrobe did not really have really a catastrophe it still wouldn't really disqualify it from being a fairy tale yeah. um, so we win yeah yeah <laughs> yay uh, us I mean, I mean, <laughs> take that yeah, tolkien um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, Sorry, um, I love you, Tolkien. <laughs> but I think possibly a more relevant question um, is um, um, to what extent is Tolkien here trying to, in, in on fairy stories, to what extent is he trying to prescribe how people should construct a good story? And to what extent is he describing like a certain type of folktale and like kind of rescuing it from the anthropologists, right? Um, right. Mm-hmm. so like can his essay actually be used as like hey here are some instructions on how to write a good you know fantasy story or is he just kind of describing like hey in the past here are the types of stories that you know that that we want to have anthologized in andrew mm-hmm. lang's you know purple book and blue book and whatever other color book <laughs> lilac yeah yeah i I do, yeah, I, I do think there is that going on. I, I think there's also, though, so many hints and things where you get at the outlines, like when he talks about elemental things, like the best stories, he talks about, um, what's the line where he, he ends with bread and wine, which is also shadowing eucharist and eucatastrophe um yeah the quality of strangeness and wonder um yeah i'm not gonna be able to find it but i've got it he, i've got it oh 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 um, yeah um so on page uh, 69 of this edition um it was in fairy stories that i first divined the potency yes. of the words mm-hmm. and the wonder of the things such as stone and wood and iron tree and grass house and fire bread Mm -hmm. and wine yeah gosh i love that yes um and i i think it i think there is direction at least to um like don't don't make the point of your story to be winking and satirizing the whole time make the point to develop this other secondary world that invites belief and rewards belief with wonder and mm-hmm. allows for that true fantasy of escape and consolation um i don't yeah, know i I, yeah. I no no i i agree i i really love this um like well because it seems in thinking about this question it seems like he starts off yes chris describing a certain type of of story he wants to set out to talk about what is a fairy story but then like as the essay goes on he does kind of move into more of that theoretical mm-hmm. um what what even is story what is fantasy what's imagination um and then ultimately what is sub-creation like 
what does that what does that do for us? Um, and so in, in, in a way, I think it's I, I think the answer to your question is both and <laughs> he is describing a type of a certain type of story, but there are also nuggets in here that that really are useful in creating a, a story. If, well, a, this type of story, um, a believable secondary world full of, you know, wonder and enchantment, um, and then ultimately recovery and consolation. Yeah, I mean, if I had to pick something that probably, because I don't, I, I still don't know, and maybe our listeners who maybe know more than us um, could tell us um, if Tolkien um, ever actually read the whole thing. Uh, or if he <laughs> chapters and was like, this won't do. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I kind of feel like the thing that he's objecting to in Narnia is after going on his odyssey from writing books, mainly geared toward children to writing books um, much more geared to adults um, like, um, like, like the Lord of the Rings and, and uh, Silmarillion and others um, uh, to find something that Lewis just wrote so quickly. um, Mm -hmm. And that obviously has uh, some, pretty big consistency problem right um i i wonder if that's part of what he's he's he objected to right um and i I don't know that um i don't know that you could say that normal folktale fairy stories do not have consistency problems too because i i've definitely read enough of them that i think they do um but yeah. When, when he's being prescriptive, though, in in on fairy stories, he's kind of saying that it should command an inner, you know, it, it should command secondary belief through inner consistency, right? At least, yes. at least this is if, yeah. But how? I think the question then is how consistent is consistent, right? Like right. I I believe in Narnia, um, and the magic and the weirdness of it when the professor mm-hmm. is like, well of course it wouldn't work that you would get in anytime you wanted to. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it, and you can't just, and I, I think, I think that's actually a very meta sort of commentary, right? Like I, I'm not sure it's not a formula. What makes fantasy, what makes a true fairy story. Um, But it is enough that this is a world of wonder where we find recovery, escape, consolation, and shades of eucatastrophe. I mean, uh, there there scenes that surprise me that didn't hit me at all as a child. But going back, um, like the silver chair, which was my least favorite as a kid, um, mm-hmm. when uh, when the king when the the children encounter the king in Aslan's country after he had been sick and dying and then he's a young man again. Um, And Lewis is so good with, with anything touching on, on heaven or healing or yeah. um, That, that sort of longing for, for God and longing for heaven. Um, That. Yeah, that magic and wonder, even if you, 
the, the spell it casts, the enchantment, and and Tolkien is focused on enchantment in fairy stories. Like it it works despite random talking owls and I don't know what this puddle glum creature is and I mean just elements from all sorts of things that do seem like a mishmash um but also if you're encountering Narnia as a kid like you don't necessarily say I don't get why Bacchus is here and Mm -hmm. so is Father Christmas like you you say wow this is a wild party that sounds like fun (laughs) and and I think that's what Lewis said. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I, yeah, as a kid, I definitely, of course, as a kid, I probably didn't fully understand who this, who Bacchus was anyway, <laughs> at least I hope not. But, <laughs> but uh, no, I just, I just took it at face value, like, okay, well, this guy's here now. So yeah, that's what's supposed to happen. <laughs> right. Um, no, and it's, it's so funny that you bring up the silver chair, because I was thinking earlier about um, puddle glum speech in the mm. in the dark kingdom under underground where mm-hmm. um where he says suppose we have only dreamed or made up all those things trees and grass and sun and moon and stars and aslan himself suppose we have then all i can say is that in that case the made up things seem a good deal more important than the real ones and like that to me i i, I actually kept thinking about on fairy stories in connection with that to where it's you know, sometimes getting into the, like getting into the realm of fairy, isn't just some silly exercise in, you know, escape thing. It gets brushed off that way, you know, well, it's just escapism, you know, it's, it's actually really important that we get into, (laughs) get into fairy or, or Narnia in this case. Um, Yeah. That's, that's funny that you brought the silver chair, but yeah, I was totally thinking about that earlier. I love that synchronicity. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it, at least as far as this book, uh, um, you know, Lewis didn't quite know what it was he was creating at, at this mm-hmm. point, right? And right? You could say the same thing about any author, right? You could say the same thing about Tolkien with The Hobbit, for for sure, right? Um, and and Tolkien with any of the things that he wrote, um, at, at, <laughs> at least at first, right? Um, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, the first Harry Potter book. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, really, really anything, right? <laughs> Where you have to, you have to then go back and and explain why yeah. the things are different in the first book from mm-hmm. the, you know, explain why Jadis is from Charn and the magician's nephew and from and and descended on from Lilith, you know, from yeah. Lilith yeah. and the giants, giants. in in, uh, in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, so, um, so, so yeah, for sure. I think, I think probably. Um, you know, we've talked about this before, what uh, Tolkien was objecting to was a bunch of different mythological creatures shoved together in one space, you know, some from Northern, some from Southern myth, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and, and, and not really behaving the way that they do in these original myths right which he he just kind of didn't think fawns were an appropriate thing to put in books at all they're all um, under the reign of aslan right? like, yeah. it's, it's yeah. fine it's baptized paganism everybody yeah, yeah. i uh, can't great. stress that enough okay uh, but uh yeah so i i mean i i think probably for for him that was so jarring that it did not command any kind of uh right yeah secondary belief because he's yeah. like what is yeah. this crazy friend that i 
was once closer to, you know, what, what is he doing here? <laughs> Uh, what oh, hath Charles uh, Williams wrought? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it all started with that hideous strength, and it just went downhill from there. Yeah. yeah. So, oh. so I, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's possible that he was being more descriptive when when mm-hmm. he was talking about, you know, what a fairy story uh, truly is. Uh, also, I mean, not like Tolkien is here, and we can go after him, like right, but. Tom Bombadil. I, I mean, like, right? If, if you want to say something that jars and takes you out of yes. all belief. Uh-huh. Um, having the spirit of Oxford who <laughs> apparently, like, like I've tried to figure out, is he a Maiar? Is he, like, I don't I really I don't know. Don't he, know. Is. <laughs> he is. He is himself. He is himself. He is himself. He's he is himself but he doesn't make sense. No. In, no. in that world. And and Tolkien kept him in there, which, you know, kudos to him. But like, (laughs) I don't think he gets to then criticize Lewis for throwing in Greek and Norse myths. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree. And the the disjunction between the tone of of the ring, Mm -hmm. the first couple chapters and not quite the end of Return of the King, but like, you know, the, the, no, part the very high the, stylized. Yes. 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 I mean, that, <laughs> the right of the so, Rohirrim or yeah. yeah right. And, and the random Fox thinking about like, well, this is strange, you know, very, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I agree. He doesn't really get, to, if, if the Lord of the Rings is a fairy story, then, uh, you know, why not let, um, Narnia, yeah, yeah, as, as well. Um, um, yeah, I, I still have questions uh, about that, but I didn't think we would actually, you know, completely <laughs> resolve it. Well, we'll talk about some other connections, um, but but first, um, I'd kind of like to um, uh, introduce uh, one of our one of our first sponsors, um, uh, uh, a company called uh, Jackbot. Uh, so if you're anything like me, you're familiar enough with C.S. Lewis's beliefs that you know what to think about the controversies of his own day, from vegetarianism and vivisection to teetotalers and telephones. But some of the political and social issues of our own day can be a bit trickier. I, for one, have often found myself at a loss discussing issues like COVID-19, the rise of China, or the Green New Deal. And while I've scoured Lewis's writings, I can't easily apply what he says in his letters and essays to what's going on now. Because of this, I often find myself in the embarrassing situation of having no opinion to share on social media, parties and gatherings, or when I'm yelling at the television. That's why I'm so glad there's Jackbot. Jackbot is a fully automated bust of C.S. Lewis programmed to give you Lewis's opinion on any modern topic. Using algorithms based on his own extensive writings and interfacing with our own 24-hour news cycle, Jackbot is programmed to hold forth in any number of current hot topics from abortion to the Electoral College to Brexit. I've often suspected I could guess what Lewis would say, but now I can be sure. Best of all, I don't even have to express these opinions myself. I can simply bring Jackbot along with me, and he will speak boldly on these issues in a booming, RP-inflected voice that will make you the envy of any party or gathering where politics is being discussed. Jackbot can also interface with your social media accounts, expressing your opinion for you with C.S. Lewis's trademarked wit and effervescence. But what happens if you don't like some of the answers Jackbot's algorithm finds? 
it's no problem. Jackbot can also be customized to fit your own political, philosophical, and religious preferences. Do you tilt a little to the left? Well, simply mute Jackbot's chauvinistic and anti-Rousseauian leanings. And Jackbot will stick to condemning cutting down trees, owning cars, and other such forms of so-called progress. Are you passionate about the free market? You can switch out Jackpot's, Jackpot's outdated Burkean and Romanticist leanings for something a little more Thatcherian while listening with perfect agreement to his condemnation of socialism. But what if you're disagreeing about religion rather than politics? That's no problem either. If you are a Roman Catholic, uncheck the Ulster Protestant box and listen to Jackpot wax eloquent and about confession, the sacraments, and purgatory, and how he totally would have become an RC if he'd been thinking straight. Are you Calvinist? Just put Jackbot in tulip mode, and he'll only emphasize the doctrinal points compatible with yours, refraining from embarrassing comparisons between belief in total depravity and devil worship. Pentecostal? You can program him to simply repeat his transposition essay over and over again, but for goodness sake, do not feed him any tobacco or alcohol, even if he begs you. And now for a limited time, you can use promo code InklingsHour to get 10% off. Just go to jackbot.com slash InklingsPod. That's jackbot.com slash InklingsPod. Jackbot. Don't think. He'll do it for you. From the makers of JesusBot. All right. Well, um, now that we've heard from our sponsor... Um, Let's go ahead and talk. Got to get me one of those. Yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. Where do I mm. sign up, man? Um, well, um, yeah, <laughs> I, I think all that information uh, was, was just shared. Very clear. Yep. Very yeah. clear. Uh, yes. You can re-listen to this podcast. <laughs> re-listen uh, over and over again. So, Please uh, listen. Download it so many times. Uh, yeah. So what are some other connections you all were noticing uh, between um, – between the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and on fairy stories? I mean, I think the the elemental enchantment of normal things, because it is, it is amazing and magical that Narnia is another world, but as a child, what it did for me was enchant the woods behind my house mm. and make me think, you know, if I just go far enough, through the woods, I might encounter a fawn or mm -hmm. some sort of creature. And I might, or, or a doorway into Narnia if I just called on Aslan long enough. This sadly never happened. I really tried. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Opening all of the doors. Uh, we didn't have a wardrobe, but if we had had one, I probably would have tried it every single day, just, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a uh, there's a story. I think I think he replies in one of his letters to like um, a mother who, um, you know, whose whose son like tried so hard to get into the wardrobe that he like chopped out the back of the um, you know of, of his wardrobe or something like that um, with a. I, I don't I remember I don't remember if that's one of his letters or if that's just a uh, a story uh, that that someone but yeah people um, you know um, apparently this commands enough of a sec secondary belief that like children very sincerely try to get there to to Narnia right um, um, I, I you know I wonder I wonder if part of that is um, 
just you know like like lucy kind of recognizes in uh voyage of the dawn treader um um i wonder if the thing that lends it that consistency is ultimately aslan um that um that that there's there's a revelation of the character of god through the character of aslan that that seems so real um but um yeah um yeah well i think so real and so desirable right like that's the it's not he writes fairy stories were plainly not primarily concerned with possibility but with desirability if they awakened desire, satisfy it while often wetting it unbearably, they succeeded. And that's where I think Lionel Witch in the Wardrobe hits it out of the park. Like I'm, uh, it, it for me became, I think, what uh, Arthur, um, because, you know, I didn't encounter Arthur until like college. <laughs> uh, for, for me, the, the Narnian stories were, what lived in my imagination um, as this other world and that was very much to be desired with with profound desire i was thinking too about um tolkien's discussion of enchantment um and how that relates to uh, specifically like magic the white witch versus aslan um, and I think the primary difference is that even though, yes, the White Witch, um, I guess in a way, does enchant Edmund, it's temporary and doesn't ultimately satisfy his desires, whereas um, Aslan is the ultimate satisfaction. And so his ver- like his magic, if you want to call it that is uh, distinct from the white witches and and in the same way that's kind of what Tolkien is talking about in his essay where um you know enchantment is something that that stays with you um and it does ultimately satisfy your desires whereas just just like he contrasts that with I guess the the I think he I think he calls them scientific magicians (laughs) and uh so it's more about just like the the process and less about uh, satisfaction ultimate satisfaction of desire yeah i think that's a that's a great point um and and i was thinking about that as well um um that you know enchantment produces secondary belief and magic is just kind of a way to exercise power you know mm-hmm. like we like we've talked about with charles williams as well right yes. um uh, magic produces or pretends to produce an alteration in the primary world it does not matter by whom it is said to be practiced fey or mortal it remains distinct from the other two um from um from uh, enchantments and um and art right um um, but it, it is not an art, but a technique. Its desire is power in the world, domination of things and wills. Mm-hmm. Um, but to the elvish craft enchantment, fantasy aspires, right? Um, so, um, um, yeah, there's a, um, there, there's definitely like a resonance between the way that the white witch practices mm-hmm. her magic, right? Basically to gain power over people, right. um, and the way that, um, even the deeper magic from before the dawn of time works, right? Which is um, he's yielding up himself to the white witches 
you know, and essentially becoming power powerless, but that works a kind of enchantment um, on, um, you know, on, on, on the nature of things, um, on, on, on people's hearts, you know, yeah. most of all. Um, yeah. Well, and it's, it's cause with the white witch, it's, she's more about coercion and with Aslan, there's definitely more of an invitation rather than, you know, forceful coercion into this is what you're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And with the witch, it's like, yes, she doesn't technically <laughs> force Edmund to come back to our castle after he leaves their first meeting in this life. But he's he's basically ensnared by, again, that temporarily that temporary satisfaction of desire with the mm-hmm. Turkish delight and the hot drink and the promise of, you know, being a king in Narnia one yeah. day. Which um, is a lie, like like right, she, yeah. she tricks him and lies to him, and that's yes. like magic is trickery, right? And enchantment is actually truth and uh, an awakening to what you were called for. Yes, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There is another interesting thing touching the the White Witch. Um, um, when when Tolkien's talking about you know people who get angry, right? When people try to use fairy stories to escape from what they call the real world, right? Mm-hmm. And, and Tolkien kind of like turns it back on them and says, "No, um, you're trying to escape from reality." Um, you know by the means of all of the sort of new gadgets and, and um, uh, you know, all these things that you say make up the real world, like electric lights, for example. Right. Um, and, um, um, and, and he kind of compares these people to jailers and he's like, you know, mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. kind of like look down your nose at, at escape, at escapism, um, I really don't. Um, there's real virtue in escape if you are in prison. Um mm-hmm. Um, and and it's mainly the jailers that don't care for um, you know escape, um, and um, and and that's that's another interesting um, you know connection to the White Witch, right? That she um, does not want um, people escaping um, from her own mm. world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of um, it kind of turns things upside down a bit right because if people are are trying to escape in narnia they're trying to escape um uh by means of our world right by means of humans um from from our world who who come into so in in a way Mm. our sort of real world is actually fairy to um you know, the Narnian. the yeah. Narnians, yeah. Um, right? Um. Ooh, I wonder if, and I obviously have nothing to back this up, but I wonder, it's just occurred to me, if this is Lewis, if, if Lewis has coherence in the back of his mind here, Nar- Narnia, while it is its own world, is ultimately connected to our world, and therefore we are, I, you know, we're, we're all connected ac- mm-hmm. across any any world out there that could possibly exist. And um, so, yeah, no, I, I wonder if that's kind of in the back of his mind when he was when he put that when he decided to make humans kind of the not not like the ultimate saviors of Narnia, obviously, but 
instruments in the hands or paws of Aslan. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was good. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it is. It is also another way of introducing the the wonder of the enchantment of our own lives right to say like what if like you child waiting to be picked up at the bus or you child playing hide and seek and fleeing your terrorizing siblings um what if you are going to be called into an adventure like you are going to be seen as this wonder working uh crazy agent of possibly peril like like and to see our own world as its own perilous realm Mm -hmm. right um where adventures can come to us and we can bring greater calamity even i mean thinking mm-hmm. just about like diggory in the magician's nephew and i know i'm sorry we were supposed to just limit this to language and wardrobe but it's too hard <laughs> not to like jump all over yeah narnia and and the different tales um but how he he was just trying to get rid of a, a local problem uh with with uncle andrew and he ended up bringing evil to an entire world mm-hmm. um which is very like shocking to a six-year-old reading a story of young six-year-olds. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think uh, on that, on that same note, um, there's a, uh, um, there's a, there's a way that um, we're able through Narnia to recover the strange um and 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 sort of wonderful aspects of of our world you know very similar to what um um lewis is is or sorry very similar to what tolkien is talking about and when when he's talking about recovery right so there's this um one of these first conversations between lucy and tumnus uh right where um where lucy's telling tumnus um um i got i got through the wardrobe in the spare room said lucy ah said mr tumnus in a rather melancholy voice if only i had worked harder at geography when i was a little fawn i should no doubt know all about those strange countries it is too late now but they aren't countries at all said lucy almost laughing it's only just back there at least i'm not sure it is summer there Meanwhile, said Tumnus, it is winter in Narnia and has been for ever so long, and we shall both catch cold if we stand here talking in the snow. Daughter of Eve from the far land of Spare Oom, where eternal summer reigns around the bright city of Wardrobe, how would it be if you came and had tea with me? Right? Um, and even like what he's doing there with these perfectly ordinary things like a spare room and a wardrobe, right, um, are, mm-hmm. are becoming. Um, these these kind of fantastical places to the Narnians, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's very similar to what he's talking about to what uh, Tolkien is talking about when he talks about Morifok, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there is especially for the humble Morifok or Chestertonian fantasy. Morifok is a fantastic word word, but it could be seen written up and down written up in every town in this land it is coffee room viewed from the inside through a glass door as it was seen by dickens on a dark london day and it was used by chesterton to denote the queerness of things that have become trite when they are seen suddenly from a new angle 
Um, that kind of fantasy, most people would allow to be wholesome enough and it can never lack for material, but it has only a limited power, right? So he says, this is an ultimate fantasy, but there is still this element of uh, recovery of the strangeness of things here, mm -hmm. right? Um, mm -hmm. And you get that as well when, um, you know, with, with what Lewis does with the lamppost, right? That, um, that this is something that's a perfectly ordinary thing to see mm -hmm. in the middle of London, right? And you don't look twice at it, but when it's in the middle of a wood, um, and it's just kind of shining there in the middle of a wood with no people around. Um, it becomes a kind of wonderful thing. Um, and in fact, when the children get acclimated to Narnia and they're going hunting for the white stag and they've forgotten their past life, they, you know, it's, it's almost like a marker to a portal to fairy, right? Mm -hmm. And they decide we're yes. going to take this adventure, right, mm -hmm. um, to this strange, perilous realm that's, that's bordered you know that that's kind of guarded by this um strange lantern on top of a post far away from anyone um so the the very like ordinariness of a lamp post becomes uh becomes really you know transmuted mm -hmm. into something um into something a strange wondrous. device um, yeah mm -hmm. yeah that seems mm. to be a theme across a, a lot of the inklings um because I know we've we've obviously referred to that when we talked about War in Heaven, uh, once again, <laughs> bringing that back in. But just ordinary, like an ordinary cup being as significant as the Holy Grail or, mm. you know, um, you know, the archdeacon's love for just ordinary everyday objects and his reverence, almost reverence for them. Um yeah, I, I think because there is some of that like enchantment of, you know, well, this was made, this is, this is created and it's, ha it, everything has significance. Mm -hmm. um, and so just by the kind make of, yeah. 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 By the making of Pegasus, horses were ennobled. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, actually, fairy stories deal, deal largely, or the better ones mainly with simple or fundamental things. Mm -hmm. untouched by fantasy but these simplicities are made all the more luminous by their setting mm -hmm. um it was in fairy stories that i first divined the potency of the woods and the wonder of the things yeah yes yeah, yeah. all of that by the by the making of pegasus horses were ennobled gee that doesn't sound like something else we've read in the magician's nephew right um mm -hmm. I, I mean that's that's like I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if, yes. yeah, yeah, fledge, right? Um, yes. Um, yeah, um, the, which, which is the, you know, which, which gives you also the backstory of the lamppost and, and, mm -hmm. and all of that, but, um, yeah. Um, uh, what, one other thing I wanted to, I wanted to mention, um, and this doesn't really, have anything to do with whether or not this qualifies as a fairy story or, or not but i thought it was interesting um tolkien um you know makes the point early on in the essay hey fairy stories they don't need to have fairies in them right or mm. elves for that matter right um and and thinking about lewis's narnia um books it's really interesting that um even though they have just about every other mythological creature, um, uh, hags, giants, dryads, naiads, merpeople, talking beasts, dwarves, fawns, werewolves, centaurs, um, and, and Uncle Andrew's godmother, notwithstanding. Um, <laughs> um, why do you think Lewis didn't put any fairies or elves in them? 
Uh, is it not because the children are the elves coming into Narnia? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Or, or maybe, I mean, maybe he read on fairy stories and he said to himself, hey, fairy stories do not have to have fairies or elves in them. So, so I'm <laughs> maybe to appease Tolkien, I will not put any fairies or elves oh my gosh. in here. No, but like... <laughs> I mean, the, the purpose, the fairies themselves are, are the inhabitants of the perilous realm, right? Like the original and it, the, the danger, I mean, the, is the beauty breaking in on us at any point. Um, and in Narnia, it's, it's the inverse of you might break into the beauty and you might invade it um, or, or be, be taken up into it. Right. That's Um, true. Yeah. And that's, uh, I, I think you can make the case that that is the, the role of, of fairies and elves and, and here, unless you just want to say, well, in Narnia, kind of everything you encounter is in that role. Hmm. I think you're on, I think you're onto something. Um, because yeah, because uh, Tolkien's qualifications for the perilous realm is that the danger comes from the realm itself. But clearly, with Narnia, at several points, it's the danger coming from outside, from causes outside of Narnia itself. Um, and yeah. kind of the same with, um, like, with Paralandra too. The danger comes from outside of Paralandra itself. It's it's when Weston shows up and <laughs> everything starts going going wrong but um yeah, yeah kind of in that same vein i think i think so i think that seems like yeah lewis is more concerned with with that so maybe that maybe that's another reason tolkien objected to, <laughs> objected to narnia being a fairy story <laughs> yeah i mean maybe my 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 sense was just that like and i, I like annika's answer because it's, it's more imaginative um i i was just kind of like I was just kind of like, well, probably Tolkien had the market cornered on elves. <laughs> and if Lewis had tried to put them in, he would have gotten like twice as angry at his friend. Um, then, I, don't, uh, I don't think it would have stopped Lewis. No. I mean, maybe. Right? Like, I, and like I, by the market cornered, I just mean like, I just mean that he, um, he had written elves so well that you literally, if, if you were the type of you know inkling who appreciated elves which they didn't know um but um uh yeah um, like you, I, hugo dyson, dyson. Yes. Uh, yeah. um, wow geeks okay. but i would uh, i i i wouldn't be able to i mean it's it's kind of the same problem that people have still right trying to write about elves they're they're ultimately watered down version of the Tolkien's elves um they they don't it, it's really hard to think of good elves that are not that right um for you know in in most modern day fantasy as well and I'm sure Lewis would have had a similar problem because Tolkien like defined the heck out of what elves are right um and in I mean not not in terms of like um dotting every i and crossing every t but in terms of like this is 
an amazing example of the, like the platonic form of what an elf would be right um and uh and, and we can't get any better than this i, I don't know um but um uh, but yeah i i like the idea of um of our world kind of being fairy to them and tolkien kind of hits on that i you know like i'm sure fairies have human stories or, or 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 whatever else he says right so i think that's i think that's uh pretty good um, um and also uncle andrew's fairy godmother is was what like from Atlant, like he descended from atlantis or got a box from atlantis or something like that from numenor Yes. From oh, Newman. really? Yeah. I've gotten that. Lewis, remember, oh, he's just Numenor, yeah. and it pisses Tolkien. He did it again. <laughs> no, yeah. he did it in. Uh, yeah, he did it in uh, uh, Paralandra too, or maybe it was Silent Planet um, that he mentions mm. Numenor. Did he misspell it in the Magician's Nephew as well, or is that just in the Space Trilogy that he misspelled Numenor? Hmm. That's a good question. I don't we'll have to look it up. I have to look it up because I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> he was not the greatest speller. That's okay. <laughs> um, um, all right. Uh, so any any final thoughts, anything we didn't hit on that, that you all want to uh, make sure that we, uh, that we bring up at least? No, I just, I, I do think we should end on a note of Tolkien was wrong. <laughs> 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 I would like to end on that note. Um, <laughs> So, <laughs> and so now we've lost half our subscribers. <laughs> How yeah. dare you question Tolkien? To, both when of it them. comes to <laughs> oh, both of them, oh, owie. Um, when it comes to whether Narnia qualifies as a fairy story, um, mm. I think yeah. by virtue of its potency, it qualifies for at least a couple generations of kids so agreed yeah i'd have to agree um i and and that's just partly because i'm still trying to figure out what tolkien is saying a fairy story is <laughs> fairy stories, which like i really enjoy a lot of the things tolkien says here and i think it's they're absolutely right but whether or not they create boil down to a standard yeah Mm -hmm. kind of an easy definition of what a fairy story is exactly um that's not just really subjective um uh, yeah that's that's another matter so it's 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 not a folk tale of the sort that like the grim brothers and andrew lang would have correct collected and written down right um uh it's it's definitely artificial um i guess uh you know, a, a secondary fairy story, um, you know, if, if you want to take Lewis's terms about epic being, you know, there's primary epic that kind of evolves naturally and there's secondary epic that's like modeled on primary epic that's written down and all this stuff. Um, I think you can make the same sort of distinction between fairy stories as they occur naturally and, um, you know, primarily literary, right, fairy stories. Um, but um, but yeah, as far as like reenchanting the world and uh, causing people to see things in a new way, you know, despite all of the, um, you know, 
um, satire and uh, the the wind in the willows esque elements and uh, <laughs> and and despite the potentially electric lights, although I, <laughs> I I think they probably were not the wardrobe is probably a good old fashioned not not wardrobe the lamp post was probably a good old fashioned lamp post right um, that that needed you to mean be gas lit. yes yeah yeah um, yeah which which we we had a bit of a um, debate about whether or not the lamppost actually is lit and when it is because in the um in the when when lucy first sees it she says it's lit and then when they encounter it during the hunting of the white stag they say if it were lit it would not give light to anyone right so um so yeah that's that's um interesting um at least to me um but um but yeah, all that to say, it re-enchants the heck out of a lamppost, um, and, uh, and and that's what I need my books to do. Um, so um, so so yeah. Um, what do you all? What, what should we do next time? Father Christmas, <laughs> give me some money. Yeah, uh, I, I I think letters to Father Christmas. I think we need to. Um, have more tender eyes towards Tolkien. Yes. Uh, Sounds good. Yes. Sounds good. Yes. <laughs> Which um, means I need to, I need to get myself a copy of that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's relatively yeah. cheap on Kindle. If you, uh, you know, if you want to own a copy of letters of the father Christmas letters, um, mm-hmm. it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, Oh no, I don't do Kindle. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, oh. Fitting uh, for an inkling enthusiast. I, I commend you. I uh, I I do I do books. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. Which means I run out of room real fast. Yeah. yeah. Do you also not do zip pulls? No. <laughs> Sorry, Tolkien talks about um, zip pulls uh, in on fairy stories, and Lewis. Uh, I think if I have this right, he refused to wear clothes with zippers um, oh, and only wore buttons. Okay. Um, so oh, okay. Yeah. That's no, I definitely. I, I have. Yeah clothes with zippers on them so yes okay yeah <laughs> and i also drive an automobile so wow i do there's no hope for you i know uh, uh, i tried to be a ludite once it didn't work out <laughs> <laughs> uh, well i am very thankful for the, for the technology that lets us yes. uh, have this conversation uh over the internets and and very thankful to share um thoughts and, and hear your insights today yeah yes. yeah me too thank you all yeah um, look forward to the next time yeah Yay. me too me too yeah um all right well listeners um this has been the inklings variety hour thanks for tuning in subscribing um please do um you know correct us on all the mistakes that we've made um, <laughs> um and uh should be easy because we made none. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that, that's. True. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, our, our email address is what is our email address? Inkl- inklings- I don't have it's, it. It's Inklings Variety Hour at gmail oh. oh, Okay, Inklings wow. Variety Hour at gmail dot com. Yeah. yeah. Do people email us? No. Please. <laughs> we have hopes. <laughs> just just saying, y'all. <laughs> Oh my god. I monitor it. But no when they do, <laughs> we will be ready. <laughs> Great.
great. Um, Thanks. I'm really. We also we also have a Facebook page, guys. If yeah. uh, you would like okay. to go over there and like, like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leave us a review on iTunes. Yeah. All, all that stuff. If you if you want this kind of, you know, <laughs> quality amazing content. Quality content. It is <laughs> right. Uh, and uh, yeah. Um, so um, uh, we still don't have like some sort of like snappy, and this is why we don't have more subscribers, that we don't have a snappy outro line that we can just kind of, you know, rattle off and people will be like, oh, wow, how clever they are, um, you know, so mm. un- until <laughs> next time. <laughs> wow. Um, Read, Bye. read lots of, <laughs> lots of stuff. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Read, read lots, lots of, of stuff. stuff. That's, that's All right. That's I'm, I'm going to pause on our encounter full of joy unscheduled on the decent fan with here an addict of Tolkien there a Charles Williams fan <laughs>